Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Uh, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Thessalonians 1.3, right after Colossians, where Daphne read for us this morning, 1 Thessalonians. I want to look at verse 3 first, and I forgot to mention this at the outset, and I've handed some of these out, but fathers, we've got a little gift for you um, this, this, uh, this Father's Day. If you want, there's some in the back right there, and there's also some in this bucket. And we got you a tire gauge, in case you don't have a car that tells you what your tire pressure is. Um, it says, work tirelessly for the Lord, but don't bomb. And um, then we've got, uh, we've got some of these if you're not really into that or if you've got a car that tells you all that. We've got some leftover things from last year. It's a tape measure, a notepad, a pen, a bubble level, and probably a flux capacitor too, an all-in-one thing. Uh, please take these because if you don't, this is what you're getting next year. <laughs> all right. So... Uh, we got some there and some back there. Look, today uh, we're going to look at a few verses where God has the Apostle Paul describe his relationship with the church at Thessalonica. Uh, he describes who he knew them to be, how he interacted with them during his ministry there, also their continued growth in their relationship with Christ, all these things that God desired for them. And what we learn from the Word of God, it applies to all believers here, so there's, there's nobody here that's not just a Father's message on Father's Day, but if it applies to all believers, then of course it it definitely applies um, to our fathers. And uh, on this day when we celebrate our dads and we give thanks to God for their influence in our life, whether they're biological fathers or whether they may be our spiritual fathers, there's some significant guidance here for how God wants Christian fathers to relate to their families, uh, to their children, to other believers. He wants Christian dads to walk worthy of the Lord so that their children would do the very same thing with them. I want to read verse 3 before we pray. It says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, uh, as your church, I pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would do uh, his, what he does, his, his ministry of, of revealing truth to us, illuminating uh, what you want us to learn, and much more than that, uh, actually driving it into our hearts that uh, our minds might be renewed, that we might be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So thankful, God, for the fathers um, that you've given us and, and um, there's many here whose, whose fathers or grandfathers uh, may have gone on to their reward. I pray for comfort for them uh, on this day, but also what a, what a great promise that we just sung uh, about that there's going to be a day, there's going to be a reunion, uh, where, and that, that day is forever. There's no more parting, and so we thank you for that promise. Uh, show us what you want us to learn in your word today, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in verse 3, we get three motivations for a Christian father here. And the very first one is a work produced by faith. It says, uh, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. So as Paul is describing these believers in Thessalonica, he has him begin by addressing the most foundational aspect of both their own personal relationship with God uh, and also what motivates them in their ministry as a dad. 
Uh, it is a work of faith or a work produced by faith. Uh, and since this is how God is encouraging every believer here to live and serve, it's obviously true for Christian fathers as well. What a necessary trait faith is in order to do uh, the important work of being a father, a Christian father. Uh, you're going to be leading and guiding your children to become disciples of Jesus Christ. You can't do it without faith. And it's not just that they were to have faith, but it's described as what there? Uh, a work. It's a work of faith. So let me ask the fathers here. Maybe you'll be a little more brave than the ones in the first service. Is being a Christian father work sometimes? It is. And it's okay to say so. Um, being a Christian parent, fathers and mothers, who are, are there to protect their children from the temptations of this wicked world and, and who are there to push their children um, toward living in joyful submission to God and to his word uh, through faith in Jesus. It, no doubt it's a demanding work. As now, you can feel a little better about this one. Is it also a rewarding work? Yeah, definitely. Hopefully eternally rewarding. We'll talk about that in just a minute. He, he also says it's a labor of love, a labor prompted by love. This second phrase Paul uses to describe the believers at Thessalonica and their ministry of making disciples. He says it's a labor of love. If a Christian father's personal faith in Christ is the foundational motivation, that work of faith, well then this is what is going to follow many times. It's a labor prompted by love. We've already hit on this concept, but honestly back in that first phrase, phrase uh, a work of faith, uh, that work there, uh, the word in Greek is ergon. It simply means a task. Christian fathers, you've been given a task by God. It also could be translated assignment. You've got this assignment, even employment. And that's what God has given to fathers. He's given you a task, an assignment, an employment. Now, now labor of love, that, that word labor, we might think of it as synonymous with work, but it's a little more descriptive of that element of Christian parenting that can be tough at times. Uh, the Greek word there is kapos. It literally means toil, your toil of love. It means trouble, your trouble of love. Uh, it can even mean labor that involves weariness or, or fatigue. Does being a Christian dad ever feel like this? And it's okay to say so. It does. It does. Um, in a broader sense, can gospel ministry, serving in Awana, serving as a Sunday school teacher, working in VBS, being a pastor, being a worship leader, being a deacon, being on the hospitality ministry, can ever, that ever feel like a labor of love? Can it be toilsome? It can. It's okay to say so. Um, so what keeps you doing this work of faith, when it does become weariness and fatigue-inducing labor, well, what is it? It's a labor of what? A labor of love. It's a labor of love. And not just any love. Uh, I love fishing. Mr. John, you love fishing, don't you? Yeah, we go fishing together sometimes. I love the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but that's not the kind of love we're talking about here. Um, the love that this world has a concept of or an ideal of. We know that in Scripture, um, the New Testament was written in Greek. There's four Greek words that we translate love. We only have one word for it, love. Um, the first one is, is eros, and it's not found in the New Testament. That's that physical intimacy between husband and wife. Um, then there's one that's only used one time and in combination with the third one. And that second one is, is storge, and it means familial love. Like, I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to take care of my family. Um, blood is thicker than water, that kind of thing. Uh, and then there's a third one. You, you probably know that one, Philadelphia. It means brotherly love. It comes from philia, 
uh, it's the word that's most often used in Scripture because it, it, it uh, implies uh, just a general sense of love, brotherly compassion for our fellow human beings. Um, but none of these, none of these words are the word that's translated love here. When it says it's a labor of love, that's the word agape, uh, the same word that's used of the love of Jesus Christ for us. And what agape love is, is, is very self-sacrificial, giving all. Um, that's kind of love. And that's the love that he says that, look, when being a Christian dad or being a Christian mom, when serving in ministry, when it becomes toilsome, when it becomes a labor that induces fear, uh, weariness or, or fatigue, you need to have, make sure that that labor is prompted by love if you're going to keep on. Uh, agape, the highest of the, the four Greek words for love. The, the, love, uh, uh, the labor of love that uh, fathers are called to, it is. It's a self-sacrificial love. I remember Dr. White, one of his last uh, sermons here, he preached at the end of the Gospel of John uh, where Jesus and Peter have that interaction on the shore and Peter uh, is asked by Jesus three times, do you love me? And um, every time Jesus asks that question, he says, do you agape me, Peter? And every time that Peter responded, he says, yes, Jesus, I phileo you. I brotherly love you. He never used that. You know what? He couldn't yet. He couldn't do it yet. Who did he not have in him yet? The Holy Spirit. That was coming a couple days later at Pentecost <laughs> as they met in that room and they were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't have, and without the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ living in you, you cannot live uh, in Christ-like, agape, self-sacrificial love. So th this is written to Christian fathers, to Christian parents, to Christians, that if we're going to, uh, to endure in this labor of love when it becomes difficult, sometimes we're going to have to have that same kind of love that Jesus Christ showed us, when it kind of showed us on the cross where it was uh, most uh, powerfully put on display, a selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. We didn't deserve it. And that's what Paul commends the believers here for having. He's encouraging them, please keep on having that. Even us. Uh, we need to keep using this as a motivation in what can be sometimes a wearisome labor for the Lord. And when laboring to guide your children to walk with you as you walk with Jesus, when it becomes difficult, when it becomes wearisome, when it becomes toilsome, there's only one thing that's going to be a successful motivation or prompt for you to continue on in that task, Christian dad. You're going to have to have a love just like Jesus did. You're going to have to labor through, motivated by that agape, self-sacrificial, unconditional love. Don't give up. God commands it here. And if he commands it, what else is he going to do for you? He's going to equip you to live in that love. Then it says an endurance propelled by hope. So what's this third motivation for Christian fathers? It's a patience or, or endurance of hope. And that hope is in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we just sang. Christ, our only hope in life and death. And, and it's clear to see why it comes after these other two motivations when we understand what this endurance that is propelled by hope is. This hope that's going to help you endure that's going to help you labor in agape love, that's going to help you to continue on in your work of faith, it is that blessed hope. In Titus 2.13, Paul's writing to the young pastor Titus, and he says, we're to be continually looking for it. In our English Bibles, it just says looking for the verb tense in the Greek is you have to be continually. I mean, it doesn't stop. It's 24-7. You are continually looking for the blessed hope which is the glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And 
So that's for all of us as believers. That's how we're to live, but definitely uh, for fathers. God says there that that looking in confident expectation and anticipation of Christ's return, it is a strong, empowering force for saying no to ungodliness and to worldly lust and saying yes to living righteously, to living a a holy life just like uh, your father does, just like Jesus does in this present world until he does return. It's also a great motivation that's going to propel endurance for fathers. How so? Well, here's how. Christian dads, can I ask you something? Is there anything? I mean, is there anything that you want more for your family, for your wife, for your kids, for your grandkids? Is there anything you want more than knowing they're all ready for his return, that they're ready? They're ready for him to return. Is there anything that's going to strengthen your work of faith, anything that will ease what sometimes is a labor of, of love? Is there anything that's going to help you endure in your role as a Christian father, like knowing that you have faithfully prepared for your child to receive Jesus as their Savior, knowing that you've readied everyone in your family for his return, that, that you've led your child to be one of the redeemed who will experience eternity in heaven with you forever? And I think there's a pretty strong indication that fathers who do this, fathers who are consistently, continually, constantly looking for Christ's return, they're also going to have families who do the very same thing. So what do you spend most of your time looking at, Christian father? What do you spend most of your time looking for? Is it this blessed hope? Because you've got people who are looking at you to find out what to look for. Go with me to chapter 2. In verse 11 through 13, now, and we see, motivated by these three things, a work of faith, a labor of love, an endurance that's propelled by hope. We've got some methods for the Christian father, and this is where Paul starts talking about his relationship with the church at Thessalonica being a lot like a father-child relationship. It says in verse 11, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and we charged every one of you as a father does his children that you'd walk worthy of God who's called you unto his kingdom and glory. And for this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as a word of men, but as it is in truth, it is the word of God and it effectually worketh also in you that believe. So the Christian father's methods, what's the first one there in verse 11? It's exhorting. The church of Jesus Christ, Dublin First Baptist Church, needs Christian fathers who will exhort their children. That's King James Version language for encouraging. The Greek word is parakalo, and that's significant um, because the word that means to teach and to encourage here, the root of it is used by Jesus to describe the Holy Spirit. He's our paraclete. And here he says, you need to encourage, you need to paracaleo uh, each other, but specifically here as a father. Um, God would send those who trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. He would send them the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, he indwells us, and he desires to fill us. Uh, He is our advocate. He, He defends us. He instructs us. He teaches us. He guides us. Does that sound like many of the same roles that a Christian father is also supposed to have? Yeah, Exactly. Um, I mean, how we need strong Christian men to be advocates in their families. We need it, church. We need strong Christian fathers who are going to be an advocate, encouraging and defending their families against the wickedness of this world. The, the Church of Jesus Christ desperately needs dads who will not subcontract 
this instruction, this guidance of their children, but they'll be actively involved in this method of being a Christian dad. And look, I, I take great um, joy. Uh, I value so much that you give me and, and Pastor Daniel and Pastor Tommy and, and our, our Sunday school teachers here and our youth leaders and Awana leaders, VBS people. Thank you, parents, for giving us the opportunity to exhort and to encourage your, your children, and we commit to do it as best we can. Um, but fathers, you, you are your family's primary and, and first pastor, shepherd. You, you're the first youth pastor. You're their first worship leader. You are. Seven days a week. I, I'm thankful I get them for one, two, maybe three days a week. But, but you are there seven days a week, 24-7, and you have to be involved in this role in their lives, this method. This is comforting. That's the second one. Not only are you to exhort or encourage them, you're also to comfort them. There are times that comforting your child may be the necessary way you encourage them. And to know when that is, Christian dad, rely on the Holy Spirit. He will guide you through God's word to discern what method is needed in each specific situation. The Greek word translated comforting here means close beside, speaking soothingly. That's the short as you can get it. Close beside, speaking soothingly. And if you want them to walk with you as you walk with Jesus, if you want them to be ready for his return, it's going to require close beside comforting. You know what the world your children live in is like, don't you? And what's this world like? It's tough. I mean, let's go back 500 years to when one of my favorite hymns was written. Martin Luther wrote, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. I believe it's in the second verse. It says, This world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. That's the world we live in. Hasn't changed much in 500 years. Probably got worse. The world is filled with devils, and they're threatening to undo you, your family, your kids. That's Satan's goal. That's this world's goal. A Christian undone, a faith lost. Will you comfort your child with the subsequent words of that great hymn based on God's precious promises? It says, we will not fear. That's true. This world's full of devils. It wants to undo me. It wants to undo my family. Listen, kid, we're not going to fear. We're not going to fear. For God has willed his truth to triumph through us. We're on the winning side, kids. So don't be scared. Just be on guard. Fight like me. Walk with me. How we need Christian fathers who encourage us to walk with them, at times by speaking words of comfort, but who will point us, dads who will point us to keep on in faith because we're on the winning side, regardless of a world filled with devils. And then he says charging them. We exhorted you, we comforted you. Now we charge you. This method's a little bit stronger than the previous two. Charging literally means here to, to issue a, a call or, to, or a, a summons to witness and testify. It'd be like getting a subpoena to, to go to court. You've got to testify. He says, that's what you need to do. Uh, There are going to be times, as a Christian dad, you've got to say no. You simply got to say no. Uh, You've got to charge your children. No, we don't do that. We don't do it. Uh, Because we are to be a witness for Jesus Christ. We don't do it. We can't think this way. I don't care if the whole world's doing it. Uh, We can't say these things. Don't care what they're doing. Uh, We can't post this way. We can't act this way. Why? <laughs> because we're here. We're here. <laughs> we are here to testify that joy and peace and happiness and satisfaction is found in one place, not in any of that. 
It's found in Jesus Christ. We need fathers who will charge their kids that. Say no sometimes. Let me tell you something. There is not too many things that are as wonderful, that are as powerful a witness for the grace of God in Jesus Christ as a young person who is sold out on fire for God. Isn't that true? When you see it, and I get to see it often, I'm thankful for, for when you all do that. Little ones. It's amazing. There's nothing that's so glaringly obvious in a dark world. There's nothing that has such a dramatic difference as a young believer who's going to testify that they found everything in Jesus and they don't need none of that. So give them that charge, Christian father. But you ought to speak it only if you live it. Charles Hannon Spurgeon said, quoting a verse in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go. But be sure you go that way yourself. And Christian father's message, that's in verses 12 to 13. Why, why all this? Well, in short, the gospel, the Christian father wants his children to have, first of all, a right walk. So it says in verse 12, uh, we do all this. <laughs> All right, so we have a work of faith, we have a labor of love, endurance propelled by hope, and, and we exhort, Christian fathers exhort, and they comfort, and, and they charge their kids. Why? Because they want them to walk worthy of God, who's called us into his kingdom and glory. They want them to have a right walk. Um, reminds me of what the Apostle John says in 2 John 4. He says, I rejoice greatly that I found your children walking in the truth as we have received commandment from the Father. Third John, verse 4, same thing. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And so look, there might be some here uh, who aren't biological fathers, but, but like myself and like the Apostle John and Apostle Paul, we desire to be spiritual fathers. And so uh, we want to exhort, we want to comfort, we want to charge their spiritual children to walk in truth. And when they do, we rejoice. I know for me, it's immeasurable joy when I see you passionately living for Jesus Christ, when you're finding your all in him. It won't happen unless our methods and our message teach them what this means, what it looks like. It's not going to happen if we don't harness the motivations that, that God gave us back in chapter 1, verse 3. Are, are you sharing this message with your children so that they walk in truth, like it says there in verse 12? And then verse 13, it talks about the received word. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing. I mean, we praise God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, so it had been received, which you heard of us, you didn't receive it as a word of man, but as it is in the truth, it's a word of God. You thought of it differently. Honestly, there is no hope for a father doing any of this stuff or even for a child walking with them as they walk with Jesus. If they haven't ever received Jesus, there has to be a received word. And what God is telling us here through Paul is that, that these believers who Paul thought of as his spiritual children, according to verse 11, that they had received the word of God. They had received the gospel, not, not as the word of men, but as it was the truth, the word of God. Look, that's a message our children need more than anything. If we're going to be what we like to call ourselves a Southern Baptist, people of the book, well, we got to be people of the book. We have to recognize that, that this right here, this is truth. We need fathers and mothers, biological and spiritual, who have a high regard for Scripture, and they impart that value. How they perceive Scripture, they impart that to their kids and their grandkids. I don't know if there's anything that's more vital right now, really, in the church of Jesus Christ. It's what I had to watch not happen so much in the last week. We need to have a high regard for Scripture. When the Word of God says something, that's what it means. It's not for us to meddle with. It's not for us to reconfigure to our tastes. 
If you and I find something in the word of God with which we disagree, it's not his eternal word that needs to change. Who is it? It's me, us, amen. It's you and me. And how we need to believe both ourselves and what we communicate to our kids. What Pastor Stephen Lawson once said, truth does not come from our culture. Let me say it again. Truth doesn't come from our culture. Who does it come from? The creator. That's where truth comes from. We've got it right here. Uh, Truth is not reckoned by human reasoning. No, it's received. You receive the word of truth. As it was the word of God, it's received by divine revelation. And that right there, the word of God, Christian Father, is truth, and you need to do all you can. I mean, this is your life's goal. Do all you can to make, to make sure that your children receive its message. <clears throat> You're responsible to get it in their head. The Holy Spirit, he, he's responsible uh, to get it into their hearts. But do you understand? It can, never, it can never be here without being here first. That, that's your role. Will you commit to make sure that they get this message? I mean, will you? Will you commit to make sure that your kids get this message? Because we're getting plenty of them elsewhere. Getting plenty of them elsewhere. There's a recharge work here in verse 13. Let's go about halfway down. It says, when you received it, not as the word of men, but as is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So the, the message doesn't stop once you receive Jesus Christ as, as Savior. Like, sweet, I'm in. I studied the word. I got the word. I got the gospel. I'm good now. What do we need to do? We need to continue in the word. The, the work that's produced by faith, well, that's how it all began. But that's how it needs to go on. It's how it needs to continue. I mean, have, have you ate a meal since you've been weaned as a little baby? I know all of you have. Uh, yesterday, I, I forgot to eat most of the day. Um, I, I, I went to Bible study in the morning and... Um, then I came home. I went to BCC for the thing they had there. And then I came home, and I had to mow the lawn because while I was gone, it looked like a jungle. And I told Chris I was only mowing apart, but she knows good and well when I start mowing apart, I'm just going to do the whole thing. And I, then I got to, to be about done with the last section, and I came in to get water, but like I, I like laid down on the floor because I was so exhausted. And then I figured out why. I had Nate. I just forgot all day. Um, so she made me a mater sandwich. It's good. It's good. Uh, I think I drank a banana protein shake thing. I was ready to go. Go finish raking. Uh, try to make it look like Craig Lennon's yard. Did my best. It don't. But <laughs> I did my best. But, but I, mean, I needed that, that energy. And that's what it's talking about. The third message here in verse 13 is that the, this powerful, this all-sufficient source of truth is to be what, what energizes us. It's going to be what energizes us in our relationship with God through faith in, in Jesus. All, all our lives long. Look, look at what it says there in verse 13. You, you who receive the word of God, it, it effectually works in you that believe. Well, you're already a Christian, but you still need this word. It effectually, you know what the word for uh, effectually works is? Those two words in, in Greek, it's energeho. Guess what, guess what word in English we get from that? Energy. This is where you get energy to to be in the work of faith and in the labor of love and endurance propelled by hope. It's where you get energy to exhort and and comfort and to charge and to lead your family and to follow Jesus. Um, The the same word that that it doesn't just bring you to belief. It doesn't just bring you to being born again. It's what effectually energizes you to keep on until Christ returns or until he calls you home. And that's the message that Christian fathers need to be communicating uh, to their families. Just as Paul, the spiritual father of these Thessalonians, and you and I here this morning, 
they need to see your children, your family needs to see a dad who believes that this right here, it's as vital as my mater sandwich and my banana protein shake. Water, air, this is essential. And not just to know that because my dad told me it, but they watch. They see how much dad depends on it. Not, not only is this the sole sufficient source of truth, it's the exclusive source of, of energy for working in faith, laboring in love, enduring in hope as we walk together here following Jesus until he returns. I want you to look at one more verse as we close. Chapter 5, verse 23. Will you turn there? And I'd like you to keep your Bibles open because I know, I know you all and I know how much you love Christ and you want to lead your family. And I know this would be the prayer of every Christian father's heart, every Christian parent's heart. So we're going to close in a time of invitation a little bit, but I want, you to keep your, I want you to keep your Bibles open and literally pray this to God during that time of invitation. It says, and the very God of peace sanctify you, set you apart from sin to, to live in for him. Sanctify you wholly, like every part of you. I pray, God, your whole spirit, your soul, your body, all of it be preserved blameless until Christ returns for us. That should be the prayer of every, prayer of every Christian for themselves. But Christian father, Christian mother, is this the prayer that you have for your family? And now, there might need to be some confession of, of sin first. And if there does, do it. That's what grace is for. Do it right now. You don't have to wait for the invitation. You can do it while I'm talking. I'm good. Precious little one, it's, uh, for, for the one that's about to head off. They're about to head out on their own. Did I do enough? I mean, is this what you want for the one that's a few hundred miles away right now? For them to be preserved, blameless, their whole body, their whole soul, their whole spirit, to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Christian father and mother, during this time of invitation, would you go to God in prayer and plead with him? God, strengthen my work of faith. I can't do it without you. And empower what sometimes is a labor of love. Give me endurance. God, help me to always be looking. I'm distracted, God. We're all distracted so often by the things of this world. But God, help me to constantly be looking for your return because I got little ones who are looking at what I'm looking at. When you make your kids ready for his return so that you have kids with you one day in heaven that are walking with you there because you walk with Jesus here. All because you invited him, word and deed, to walk with you and walking with Jesus. All because you cared enough to exhort, to comfort, to charge him. And I ask you, mothers, fathers, pray together. Ask God to do this in your lives through you. He will empower you to do it. He's given you the command. He's going to equip you too. However the Holy Spirit's calling on you to respond today, I just ask that you to obey.